Welcome to the Chaos Network. Now you're all in big, big trouble. What time is it? We will throw out all kinds of sports topics. The moment Delonte West banged LeBron's mom, LeBron had every right to do whatever he wanted to do. Yeah, that's horrible. Political views. If we get rid of abortion in the United States, what happens when Bismarck Roethlisberger is uh, holding <laughs> down some chick and gets her pregnant and she can't get rid of the baby? <laughs> Is that your best? Random rants and stuff. Are you supposed to record podcasts over? I'm your huckleberry. I do drugs all my life. My life will be shorter. Oh, Peyton Manning breaks his fucking arm. <laughs> There's no better way to start the show than to read the text message that I just got. Well, I got a minute ago. It says, call me in hooker pants. Hollywood got the text message. I got the text message. There's really only one person we know that will send a message like that, and that's our buddy Snowflake. So as pissed off as all of you three, four, five hundred people who listened may have been that I ran solo shows, or maybe you were happy. I don't give a shit. Either way, I've got two motherfuckers on tonight. Last time I had one motherfucker, and it's the other two motherfuckers, and I... If if hooker pants or board shorts, bro, I called you in hooker pants. Is that okay, Snowflake? Absolutely, bro, because you are sexy as fuck in board shorts. <laughs> I miss this motherfucker. And it's been the day of the text message with you, really. It's been call me in hooker pants, and then one of our other friends sent you a text message that said you and me and Castro should all hang out, which meant your wife. And I was pretty up- I You should really, you should throw punch him. And, well, I told him what I was going to do is uh, I was going to actually shit in his pillowcases. Just sneak into his house and shit in his pillowcases. Doesn't that cause pink eye? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a theory that you get pink eye from uh, feces in your eyeball. I, I would have gone with brown eye, but that's okay. That's either way. It's it's fine. Um, so yeah, I got Snowflake and I got the fucking guy back from his honeymoon. I got Hollywood on this show. Uh, West Covina, Snowflake, Boys Town, whatever you want to call him. Not Snowflake, sorry. I'm a little drunk. I'm a lot drunk actually. So I'm gonna sound like Snowflake on the show. How you doing, buddy? How was the honeymoon? Um, bro, it was amazing. We had an absolute blast. Um, we were literally disconnected from damn near the rest of the world. It felt like. But connected uh, to each other. Well, absolutely connected to each other multiple times. Uh, a day. A day. In the sunshine, in the shade, in the water, in the evening. It was great. But, uh, you know, spend some time in Bora Bora. Uh, if you, if, you know, if you get a chance to go, go. Uh, you know, when you look at pictures of it online, it looks like a goddamn, you know, painting where, where somebody's just gotten really incredibly colorful with the, the blues and, you know. It looks exactly as it is in the pictures. It's unbelievable, absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, the the island itself, you can drive around in about a 40-minute time frame. So just just really, really crazy. So uh, absolutely had a blast. We went on a shark and ray feeding tour of the island where we did some snorkeling. We got to see some manta rays, um, which they're like fucking, I don't know, 15 feet across. They're huge. Um, we'd swim with some sharks and, and some stingrays. And then uh, yours truly actually rode. And I say rode, I mean, like, put my hands on either side of it, and it was about two and a half feet across in length and about nine to ten feet long. Um, 
lemon shark that that uh, we found while we were snorkeling, and I personally swam down and, and grabbed a hold of that fucker and, and rode it. So I can actually say I rode a lemon shark. Now come with the gay jokes. I don't have a gay joke. I just want to know what the fuck you were thinking that you were just out snorkeling. So you just had a huge life event. You just got married. You're in the water with your beautiful wife having this little snorkeling event, and you see a fucking shark and decide you're going to go dry hump it just on your own? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, that's kind of how it went. Um, <laughs> you know, as, 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 as all of my personal, uh, personal friends know decisions, and uh, I can honestly say that it topped skydiving. Um, really? Oh, yeah, because when I skydove, I had to depend on somebody else to do all the work. Um, there wasn't no fucker attached to me between me and this big ass shark. It was just me and this big ass shark. And, uh, you know, I'd absolutely done it again in a heartbeat. Uh, I actually did swim back down and, and touch it a couple more times, um, before we had to get in the boat and leave. But unbelievable experience. That was just part of the trip. Uh, you know, we stayed at St. Regis Resort, which is the same resort where they filmed the movie Couples Retreat. So uh, we got to see a couple places uh, that you know you could call out in the movie, and uh, you know just a really really amazing experience. And uh, you know I, I I actually there is one sad part of the story. Um, both my wife and I missed the Indianapolis Colts upsetting the Seattle Seahawks, uh, which was a major bummer. Uh, my wife was nice enough to run to the business center where they actually had internet access and check the score for me. Um, we guessed 38-25 would be the final in Seattle's favor. And we were pretty close to the exact, or 27:35, and we damn near hit it on the head with, uh, you know, the exception being Indy one. So, uh, amazing honeymoon, amazing vacation. Uh, really glad to be back. Glad to be back on the air with you guys, and uh, glad to get caught up on some sports and watch some fucking baseball playoffs and some uh, some NFL games. So. Yeah, you say the sad thing was you missed the football. I feel bad for the shark. I mean, to have to carry your ass around for as long as it did. And. <laughs> Scotty, what was your response to the text message when we got it from uh, from Boys Town? Uh, I, it was something about his loins, but I can't remember exactly what it was. It had something to do with his loins, though. Um, let me. I, I read it to Jen earlier, so I have it right here. It is uh, shit. Never mind. It's on the over. That's not it. Oh, I got it. You got it? Okay. Yeah, did it excite you to have a big stinky fish between your loins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yes, it did excite me. <laughs> and how was the shark? I mean, I, oh, never mind. Different story. Sorry. Um, cool, man. Well, it's good. Have, so in the huts that you stayed in, was it a hut or what was it? A uh, hut? It was technically called an overwater bungalow. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Did it have, like, the, like the, the glass plate to where you could see down in the water? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, there were there was a smaller window. I guess we we'll call it a window. Fuck, I don't know. But yeah, there was a smaller one in the bathroom right next to the shower, uh-huh. uh, and then underneath the coffee table in like the living area, there was one that was about the size of the coffee table that you could look down into the water as well. Uh, that's I remember that from the movie, and I was wondering if if you had that same because that is badass. Yeah, it, it was really cool. We got some pictures. Uh, definitely look at my Facebook page, bro. I got some pictures loaded up last night where you can see some of the pictures of what the room looked like. Um, both rooms, the bedroom and the living room, uh, had sliding glass doors that opened all the way up. So you could have free-flowing air 
throughout the entire bungalow. You're saying so, all the way up? They didn't slide all the way open? Like all the way open. Uh, oh, okay. I, I thought they opened vertically. As, as No, no. Uh, sorry, open. No, that's but uh, they opened all the way, so like it was literally uh, just a wall of nothing that you could open. And uh, she's going to hate me for telling you this, but I'm going to share it anyway because it's fucking hilarious. On the last day we were there, um, we were airing out some of our clothes and packing shit up. And when we were in L.A. with our boy Nick and Callie, who's a regular listener to the show and calls in often, um, she had picked up a, a really nice sweatshirt that uh, on the back of it says Running Sucks, which is funny because my wife's a marathoner. Right. And she had hung it up to air out on uh, on a hanger on this little, like, half wall that, you know, hides the porch so you could lay out and bathe nude if you wanted to, sunbathe nude if you wanted to, which we did a couple different times. Don't don't share that with me again. And, uh, well... No, it's okay. Go on with your story. I'm just saying. Yeah, so her sweatshirt, she didn't hang it the right way, and it fell off the hanger onto the floor. Well, when she looked, you have to remember, right, so we're surrounded by water. She notices that her sweatshirt isn't there and freaks out and, like, goes to run outside to check to make sure it hasn't fallen into the ocean. And the doors that were made of glass, mind you, were closed, and she fucking face-planted right into the glass door. It was scary as shit at the beginning because right. you guys know with, with, with the condition of life. Right, right. Now, but as soon as we got over the fear, it was the funniest goddamn thing I've ever seen in my life. I've got five words for you, brother. Uh, Till death do us part. <laughs> <laughs> I did say through sickness and in hell. Yes, yes. So that's awesome. I'm glad you had a good time. I can't wait to see the pictures. Actually, I want to hear more about it off air, obviously. That's, that's especially the way it was uh, that set up. Cause that would be a great, awesome, sweet-ass place to stay. Other than the fact that I'd have a hard time betting on the football games in the weekend just because of how. Yeah, yeah, I said it. Yeah. I don't care where I'm at. I'm gambling on football. That's it was, how we it was, do shit. It was, it was absolutely difficult. And uh, my wife even asked me a couple times, do you need to go to the business center and make some bets? I uh, I looked at your, your just so you know, and I know it's not show topic. Sorry, Scotty. But uh, I looked at your JV lineup while you were gone. I might have made one change. I don't know, but I made sure all was good. So Awesome. Good shit. All right. Cool. Um, well, shit, well, since you're back, why don't you do the housekeeping? Absolutely. So if anybody wants to call in and ask me any questions about how it felt to ride a fucking big-ass shark or, uh, you know, just hit up the boys, talk some sports, Major League Baseball playoffs, football season's underway, you can reach us at 646-378-0793. Again, 646-378-0793. Um, on Twitter, if you want to hit us up, you can hit up the show at Sports the Letter R Way Blog. You can re- reach Chaos at FN Chaos. Uh, you can hit up Snowflake, a.k.a. Scotty, a.k.a. Hooker Pants, at Kendall Scott. Uh, Gov's not with us tonight, but if you want to shoot him a note and yell at him uh, or give him some love, you can reach him at Governor underscore Bain. And, of course, you can hit myself up at SOW Hollywood. And just in case you missed it, brother, 646-378-0793. All right, and I don't want this to go uh, unnoticed either. I am so thankful and happy that Scotty is on as well. Thanks for making it, Scotty. I know you got a bunch of shit going on. No problem, brother. Glad I could be here, man. No, me too, man. It feels like a real show again. I fucking love it. I've missed it, and it's fucking awesome. So let's get this shit fucking started. 
This is another public service announcement. Did you just tell me that eating pussy is going to give me cancer? Yep. Oh, good. God is going to be my DMAS. But as they say in the U.S. Navy, there is no wrong hole. No. Getting a little strange on daytime TV. You are broke back, Jack. I'm your huckleberry. Also DMAS. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. All right, so it's amazing to think that we live in this crazy-ass world where we've talked about, or I've talked about on shows past, we've talked about on shows past, where there is kids getting suspended from school for having an invisible gun, where uh, parents go to um, the principal of a school and, uh, and get pissed off because a police officer drops off his kid at school and they get offended and upset because they don't want uh, him wearing a gun to school. We talked about that last week. Hollywood, you might have missed it, but it, it might have made your weird news. Well, there, there might, this one might actually trump it all and might be a little bit more light, lighthearted. Um, it happened in Utah, which actually, I don't know why we don't find more stuff in Utah because of the magic underwear, the sister wives, the stupid, fucked up Mormon religion. So in... Let's see if I in American Fork, Utah, there's a seven year old girl who parks no bullshit, this is true story, left her Barbie Jeep in a parking spot and the police gave the Barbie Jeep a real ticket. Yeah, this is this is no bullshit. Um I, I will I will do this just just for Hollywood. I, I have to do this for him and I read. I came out of the garage and noticed that the Jeep was parked in an unpopular place right behind my vehicle. So I got out and noticed that there was an abandoned vehicle tag on it, and the father of the seven-year-old girl had mentioned, and there was a parking ticket on it. The cops, what they say when they're talking about this is that the family should be thankful that they didn't tow the vehicle and impound the vehicle. Um, just just going to kind of go out on a limb here. Last time I checked, there's a certain amount of physical fitness that all police officers have to have. And I would think that maybe picking up the car and maybe moving it as opposed to ticketing. And I don't even know how you ticket this vehicle because there's no tags, there's no registration, it's not set up. But somehow they actually ticketed the vehicle, and it's because it was behind someone's parking spot. And they believe in Utah that this should be... I don't know. They should be thanked and they should be applauded for the job that they did. This is a different type of DMAF, guys. I'm not gonna lie. This isn't like somebody who is 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 molesting a child or gay rights or anything. Like that. This has just got to be the dumbest motherfucking shit I have heard in a long time, and I have absolutely no fucking idea how they get away with it. We talk about it all the time, how kids just need to be kids and let them be kids. You're ticketing a seven-year-old car. Are you fucking shitting me? What is wrong with fucking people? That's really all I got. I just had to at least mention it. So I pulled up an article, and I quote, We would hope that people would appreciate the fact that we're in their neighborhood and we're looking out for them and their property, end quote. That's from the police. Right. Are you kidding me? How the fuck is that? Making me feel good if police are in my neighborhood and they're putting fucking uh, abandoned vehicle tags on goddamn battery-powered Barbie trucks. That you could straight up lift and move to a different yeah, like, area. 
you could seriously just fucking push physically push the shit and it would just make that noise. Put it wherever the fuck you wanted to do it. Unreal, dude. Unfucking real. And and to be totally honest, who doesn't want to ride that fucking thing? Well, I mean, I'd probably break the goddamn thing, but I'd try to ride it still. Fucking ridiculous, man. Fucking ridiculous. I don't know. I I, I just had to at least bring that to fucking somebody's attention. And you two are here, so I had to tell you. <laughs> we we appreciate it, dude. No, I mean it's it's crazy, but I think I think it depends on what website you look at. So some of the ones I'm looking at, they didn't ticket it. They they uh, tagged it with an abandoned vehicle sticker, like they use for cars <laughs> okay. that are left right. on the, on the side of the fucking interstate type shit. Okay, uh, all right. And the guy did move it. The, the the officer did move it because it was blocking the neighbor's driveway, and it was a seven and nine year old girl. The the Barbie Jeep ran out of battery. So that's where they left it. It's not like one of those small Barbie Jeeps that, like, you put Barbie in. It's one of the Jeeps that, like, the seven-year-olds drive around right. in. Yeah. yeah, yeah type okay. shit. Sure. Um, but, yeah, the the citation uh, – was it a citation? No. They uh, – on the abandoned vehicle sticker, he made it out to Barbie. <laughs> so the, the cop did attempt to have some sort of sense of humor with it. Okay. So, yeah, it's uh, – All right. Yeah, but, I mean, so my thought in it on it is – uh. This is the best thing this cop had to do at this time was, oh, shit. you know, there's there's probably drunk drivers, fucking people breaking into people's houses. I mean, I don't know what kind of shit goes on in Utah, you know. I think there's citations for magic, not wearing your magic underwear. Right. I mean, he that's probably more a more urgent situation than a seven-year-old Jeep parked in a driveway. Um, I actually would like to know where this neighborhood is and... Uh, with everything that's been going on here in Indianapolis from a crime perspective the past 30 days, I may take a look at buying property out there where the biggest problem <laughs> that the police have is the heavy Jeep in the driveway. <laughs> oh, shit, right? Oh, man. Well, good. I'm glad. Okay, so my apologies. I thought he ticketed the vehicle. I'm glad you found that out to be, to be inaccurate because the one I read said there was a ticket, so I could have misread it. Thank you for at least getting that together. And still, like you're saying, what the fuck are they doing with their goddamn time? Holy shit. All right. Cool. Um, DMAF is done. So I had to put this one together for Hollywood. I know you're not a Dodger fan, but you're a, a big baseball fan. And it got me to thinking that the Dodgers are the favorite to win the World Series. And which makes Magic Johnson look like a fucking genius for buying the team, even though it was crazy for the price he paid for it. Everyone said if they get return on investment, his first year winning a World Series is awesome. But if they win, should <clears throat> should not because <clears throat> he's over the hill or he's not doing a good job, but like Jerome Bettis, <clears throat> like John Elway, should Vince Scully retire if the Dodgers win the World Series? No. No? Okay. Well, do you have more than no, or are we just leaving it no? Well, so, obviously there's more. Uh, it's a very personal reason why I, I think the answer is no. And no, because nobody else is going to do it better than he he is. Uh, he's literally been with the Dodgers since they were in Brooklyn. Like, Ben Scully was born in 1927. And he's been with the Dodgers his his whole fucking career. And I think for him to, and I get it right, go out with a bang, your team wins the series one more time, like let's let's turn it in and enjoy the last couple of years before you croak. 
But like, if I'm Vince Scully, I want to go out fucking doing what I do, and and that's you know, play by play for the fucking Dodgers. So, personally, uh, no, I I don't think he should. Will he? Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say. When it comes to play by play commentators for baseball teams, there, there's only a handful that really ride it out with their teams for for long extended periods of time. Um, you know, you get a lot of people that, that either can't produce the draw um, that, that the ratings need. For and, and let's be honest, nobody fucking listens to baseball on the radio anymore anyway. Um, so I think it's a very unique thing, and, and, and I personally think absolutely you should not uh, call it quits if they win the series. If they win the series. They're going up against the Redbirds, Redbirds who are the most fucking lucky team in postseason history when it comes to uh, baseball. So so says the Cubs fan. So hey, because, right. just I'm cheering for the Dodgers to be. No, no, no. Oh. I'm just saying that last sentence, so says the Cubs fan. Everything else, I think, was so says the baseball fan. Okay, okay. That's um, all. So, so that's that's my thought. What do you think, bro? Well, like, I, I mean, that's how I grew up. Like, I, I grew up Dodger fan, Angel fan, you know, of course, L.A. sports fan. And I was lucky enough to see uh, Fox Sports uh, West back in the day had what they called a roundtable discussion. This was when I was first in broadcasting school, and it was with Vince Scully. Um, and for the life of me, I can't remember the, the Los Angeles Kings announcer, but uh, it, it'll come to me, I'm sure. But he, he'd been announcing the Kings for like 15, 20 years. Uh, and then Chick Hearn. Uh, so three of the play-by-play greats. I mean, he, like you said, Vince Scully's been doing it since the Dodgers were in Brooklyn. Uh, Chick Hearn had been doing it for about 50 years as far as uh, Lakers. And, you know, he was to basketball what Vince Scully is to baseball. Look, I'm not like you for selfish reasons. Dodger games, to me, don't sound the same without Vince Scully calling at least three innings of the game. And I know they break it up. They have him, Don Drysdale, and and uh, Rick Monday, I think, who break up the game for the local broadcasters, um, and uh, and uh, it's it's awesome to hear his voice. It's awesome to hear him call games. When uh, like the most famous moment that I remember, and I know there's more and bigger moments, but I can truly remember I was in my bedroom watching the uh, Dodgers and uh, A's, and Dennis Eckersley was on the mound. And it was the ninth inning, Dodgers were down, and here comes Kirk Gibson limping to the plate, and he comes up, and he, there's, you know, yeah, I'm sure if you're a baseball fan, you know the moment. He rips it out of the park uh, and uh, runs around the bases, and I remember Vince Coley calling that. And as soon as he made it three quarters of the way around, my phone was ringing, and it was my grandma because she was a huge Dodger fan, and, you know, we were just like, talking about it because it was just, just such a huge, like, I mean, that to this moment still stands as one of the best plays in baseball history that he called. I mean, it's like Al Michaels calling the, um, calling the, uh, uh, calling, um, uh, you know, do you believe in miracles? Um, and uh, thank you. Nick just texted me, Bob Miller. That's right. That's the Kings announcer. Um, but there's, it, it, if if there's any Dodger, that deserves to go out on top, and that's really the only way that he can go out on top, I would be okay with it, but I would be sad as fuck. Like, Chick Hearn, he didn't retire from the Lakers. He just died in the offseason. And I bet that's probably how Vince Scully goes to, and I'm all right with that, because that's just, I mean, 
Dodger games aren't the same. That's for sure. It's like, it, I mean, how did you feel when Harry Carey died? I was devastated. Yeah. I mean, I that's mean, how I felt when Chet Kern died. Right. Like, as you say, you know, you remember certain certain things that, that these guys say. And you know, I remember watching base, uh, baseball games with my grandfather and listening to Harry Carey on the radio calling the games. And we'd, we'd have WG on the TV and it'd be muted and we'd have Harry Carey on the radio. Right. And uh, that's just how you watched baseball. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of times when the WGN wouldn't have the game and we would just literally sit and watch the radio and listen to the play-by-play. Yeah. And you just you remember those unique things. And, you know, it, it, it's a blessing and a curse because a lot of people only remember Harry Carey for the SNL skits that were done where, uh, you know. Right. And, and it's more drunk. Right, and, and I know that to a degree it, it's a bit of respect when, when you know, SNL does, does mocks of people, and a lot of people look at it that way now, but, but like, to listen to Harry Carey really call a game, you don't find many people with that type of passion. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a shame that that part of the game, along with everything else in the game, is dying because, you know, for people like me and you who grew up watching and, and, and enjoying the game a specific way, uh, you know, the next generation, shit, the generation before, after us, Generation X or whatever they're calling themselves now, um, they're never going to get it. They're never going to understand it because they can't see it on TV and they can't watch it on a computer screen. Yeah, it's like, that's funny you say that because I'm sitting here, we're doing this, and on the computer screen to my right, I have streaming, you know, the game tonight. So it's, it is kind of funny how it all kind of plays out. And, and it's just, it's synonymous with what we grew up with. So, I don't want to see him go. I understand if he does. Um, he is he is he has as much a right to go out on top as any player who, uh, you know, more so than a Jerome Bettis, more so than a John Elway, you know, more so than than any of those guys, just because he's put in more time, more effort, more blood, more sweat, more. I mean, like you said, you know, since they left Brooklyn, which was over 50 years ago, it's ridiculous. So. Let's shift teams, bro, and stay. We'll we'll stay in the Cali area. Uh, do the A's have a chance tonight against Detroit with Verlander on the mound? Yeah, they do. Verlander hasn't been the pitcher. He he, not the same pitcher that won the the AL MVP. I mean, in the A's, I mean, can you just can they? Is there is there anything they can't do? Really? I mean, they they're the team with one of the lowest payrolls in base payroll payrolls in baseball. Uh and they all they do is they just Billy Bean it. They keep winning and winning and winning. And even though we all called Detroit to come out of the uh, uh AL, I, I don't see a reason why the A's can't beat them. They have the pitching, they move runners over, they score runs. I mean they're they easily could and Verlander's not the ace he once was. I want to agree with you, but I think there's a little bit of Homer in there. Um, no, no, no. I'm not an A's fan at all. I'm no, not no, no. All. Just I California fan. No, not at all. I, I, no, you're asking me if they can. If you're asking me, do I think they will? I don't think they will, but all if right. you're asking me if they can, that's a different question. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I mean, um, do you think they can't? Uh, I just, I don't know if they got enough. I, I think it's going to come down to their, I think they got like a 23-year-old rookie pitcher going tonight. So I, I think it's going to come down to him and whether or not he can keep his shit together. Uh, if Detroit starts hitting them all over the uh, the diamond. But, I mean, again, think of it this way. I mean, you may not think they will, but do you think they can? 
I think I think they got a puncher's chance. That's sure. Exactly. Exactly. All right, I'll, that's I'll how I took the you. question. That's yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. I, I like that answer. I agree. So, uh, if it's Red Sox A's, do you take Red Sox Dodgers in the series? Yeah, I do. I mean, like, really. I I mean, like you're saying, I'm with you. Punchers. They got a puncher's chance if they do. I think I think that'll be great, and it'll all work out fine. <clears throat> but I think I think the Red Sox. Well, I think just like you do. I think Detroit does win the series, and I still think Detroit comes out of the AL. I think it's Detroit and the Dodgers, and the Dodgers win the World Series. Okay. Uh, Scotty, I know uh, you probably don't have a hell of a huge opinion, but what do you think? No, no, no. So I think – so first of all, I apologize. I had to break away real fast because it, it felt like Hollywood was trying to ride a lemon shark out of my colon, and I had to <laughs> had to make a run real quick. But uh, <clears throat> No, so what I would like to see, obviously, is I would like to see Red Sox-Dodgers. Uh, and I think what would be great for baseball from a viewership perspective is there's a story that you can tell with Red Sox uh, Dodgers based on the big trade that went down last season. Oh, true. Uh, yeah, you know, from a Major League Baseball perspective, when you think about the vignettes and how they would advertise the World Series, uh, I think that would be the best story to tell, uh, would be the Dodgers and Red Sox. I think that it's going to be the Tigers and the Red Sox in the, in the American League Championship Series, and I, I think it's going to be a back-and-forth series. Uh, you know, obviously as a, as a Red Sox fan, and I normally don't start watching baseball until football season ends. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, that's funny, right? That's why, yeah, exactly. You'll never really watch funny. baseball. <laughs> um, but I do pay attention, you know, to kind of like what's going on. And I, I do know that the Red Sox through this first series with Tampa, I mean, they've scored 26 runs in four games against a solid Tampa team that came into the playoffs extremely hot. I think Tampa had won 11 out of their last 13 going into this series. And, you know, <clears throat> it's going to be tough for me to bet against the Red Sox from a homer perspective and also from the perspective of when you've got a team scoring that many fucking runs in a baseball game, who has the pitching in in the American League right now to, to minimize the amount of runs that are being scored by Boston? Oakland, maybe? Maybe. I don't know, but oh, Boston's looking tough. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Wood, you're more the baseball guy. Am I wrong? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, for Oakland, I think they have the potential, absolutely. I think they've got great relievers. Um, but, again, it comes down to some of the experience that you have in Oakland's bullpen. Uh, if if Boston could once again get hot early, like, I, I think the A's would be in for a long fucking series. Because you know Boston, like like to Scotty's point, they just fucking hit so many runs uh, in the postseason. It'd be, you got to be able to produce offense to keep up, and I don't know if Oakland could do that uh, long term. But from a pitching perspective, again, you know, uh, I'll, I'll just stick with the, the puncher's chance. Oakland's just that team yeah. um, that that could turn around and fucking be in the World Series and have a shot to win it. Right. That, it's hard to rule, rule them out of anything. So um, I'm cool with that. And actually, let me pose you guys the question that I kind of had sort of last week, but neither of you guys were on the show. Um, it, it's not like the HGH era is over. I'm, I'm not by any stretch saying that. But with it kind of diminishing in them being able to test for HGH a little bit better than they used to, um, is the autonomy of how major league lineups to build a, a World Series contender going to change a little bit? I mean, we'll never see 73 home runs again, obviously. 
you know, we may not see much over 55 to lead the league. I mean, uh, I look at the Atlanta Braves, who, with Tim Hudson, who was hurt, uh, I, you know, the Braves didn't have a chance because they didn't have an ace on their roster. So do you think how you build a roster now kind of changes with HGH testing being more prevalent? I think it, I think it has to in order for you to be successful. And I think the way it changes is from an offensive perspective is you're going to have teams that are more balanced where you've got maybe a couple guys batting three, four, five in your lineup that are hitting, you know, 28 to 40 home runs each instead of the one guy batting fourth that's hitting, you know, 55, 60 fucking home runs. I think you're just going to see more balance. I think you're going to see more traditional lineups when you think back to, you know, your big teams that were in the early 80s, the 70s. Uh, you're going to see more of the leadoff hitter, you know, the extremely quick guy that has a great eye is going to get on base, you know, that, that, that's, that's going to be a guy that's going to be a threat to steal bases. Uh, you're going to see your number two guy that's going to be the guy that's going to get the ball in play and move your leadoff hitter around, you know, from first to second, from first to third, wherever the case may be. And then you get into that heart of the lineup in three, four, five, where you've got guys that can hit the ball hard and hit the ball far. Uh, and what your hope is is that you're going into your number three hitter with one out and a runner on second, and three and four can bring him around and score you a run. And I think that's going to come with more balance instead of having, you know, your Barry Bonds batting four that's not surrounded by a bunch of guys that can protect him, uh, you know, batting in that position. Yeah, that makes sense. yeah I totally agree. And I think the other side of that coin, too, is – teams look like look at Pittsburgh you're going to start finding teams that are just better suited defensively who can play great defense and have decent bats because like Scotty said you're you're never you know we're not going to see those monster 60 70 home run seasons anymore uh and if we do you know it's just not going to happen let's just call it what it is no no it won't happen. no it won't happen I so you know, originally when we started to see the decline in home runs, um, specifically everyone said, oh, it's just the pitching's getting better, the pitching's getting better, the pitching's getting better, and now the steroids are gone. Well, the pitching's going to start to level out is what we're starting to see when you look at Pittsburgh, you look at the Oakland teams where you have all these young stud pitchers who have two, three, four pitches in their in their toolbox that they can whip out, and if they're if they're in good control during any type of a game, you're you could see a lot more no-nos, and uh, you're going to see that level out across the board, and it's going to come down to who can knock the ball down in the infield and, and pull those double play balls and you know snag those line drives out of the air, and, and that's what's going to get those teams to that next level with the guys that like Scotty saying are batting you know three three fifty four hundred. Yeah, can you? I mean, and I, I think there's. You guys are right. There's gonna be a lot more small ball. There's gonna be a lot more moving runners over. There's gonna be a lot more, you know, manufactured and runs. And then so a lot of rosters will be 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 built entirely. Uh, I don't say entirely, but mainly around speed as opposed to you know pretty much anything else. And that's why you know I, I think that's why I have, you know, the Dodgers right now as as the favorite, even the Cardinals. You know, like you say. They, they could do it, but the Dodgers truly have two aces on their staff, and they do move runners over. But it's not like the Cardinals have bad pitching either. But it's interesting just to kind of see how it'll all work out and how baseball, you know, the autonomy of the roster is entirely going to change. Um, so let's move on to football. We're all watching it now, and the R over is looking pretty good, by the way. Um, 
it, it, we all were wrong about Atlanta. They're probably one of the most surprisingly bad teams in the NFL, and they just lost Julio Jones, their 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 best weapon on the season, and they're what one in four, I believe. So should they trade Tony Gonzalez back to uh, Kansas City, where he started off his career, where he spent you know most of his life and spent the past three years in Atlanta, to where he can play his last season on a uh, and give you know, and he'll truly give the Chiefs as good a chance to win a Super Bowl as any. That's already what five and zero right now, and they'll probably be six and zero after this weekend. Yeah. Um, should they? Yes. Will they? Probably not. Um, what are they going to get that's going to help them? You've got Julio Jones out for the year, Roddy White out. What's looking like at least one more week, maybe two more weeks. Steven Jackson, who's been sidelined with injuries, and he's their premier running back and, and hasn't been able to play. You, you've got uh, a defense that's clearly suspect because they can't shut people down like they need to. Um, does trading Tony Gonzalez get you anything that's going to benefit you to that degree when he is virtually your only offensive weapon? I don't think so. I, re- I really don't think so. Well, and, and it, and what are you willing to give up to get Tony Gonzalez that makes it worth it to Atlanta when you know as the team receiving Tony Gonzalez you're only getting this year? I just, you know what I mean? Like from a business, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to talk like Gov for a minute. From a business perspective, I don't think it makes sense. Yeah, dude, that's what I was going to say. <clears throat> I think it's a bad deal for Kansas City. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, because what do they give up? You know, and I get it. Kansas City's off to a phenomenal start and – you know, the lift that Gonzalez would give him at the tight end position would be huge, but you're getting him on a lease. You're going to lease him for the rest of the season. And what's Atlanta going to ask for him? Probably, what, a fourth-round pick? Best-case scenario, if you're Kansas City, a fourth-round pick? <clears throat> and, you know, the fourth round, you're looking at third, fourth round, that's, that's, a, that's a place where Kansas City, if they continue the way they're playing this year, granted they're going to have a deeper first-round pick, uh, and they're going to have later picks in each adjacent round, but are you willing to give that up? I mean, you're a team that's coming off a great season. You've got the opportunity to pick up a lot of great young players to further solidify this team that has a brand-new head coach this season, brand-new quarterback, and you're going to take a guy that's still playing well, but, I mean, let's face it, he's on his last leg. This could be his last season. I don't know if it's worth it to Kansas City, and and as Ownership from an Atlanta standpoint, I mean, we're in what, week four right now? Week five? Week, week, week six. Week going week into six. week six, yeah. Yeah, so we're going into week six, and you're throwing in the towel in Atlanta in week six. And I get it, there's a lot of injuries, but, you know, if you think about, you know, Hollywood is, is a Colts fan, in week six, if the Colts traded one of their premier players because they started off, you know, the way Atlanta has, you'd be fucking up in arms about it. You'd be furious. You know, and I think you'd be furious about them letting that player go, and you'd be furious about the fact that they had already given up in week six, and there's tons of football left to be played. Yeah, I, I, I you're right. I, I, I agree with that. I think, I think, you know, right now Atlanta's like four and a half or four. I'm sorry, they're like four games back in New Orleans, so it, it almost they're not out of the division race already, but they're pretty close to it, especially when you take, you know, Stephen Jackson out, you take. Um, uh, Julio Jones out the rest of the season, so there's there's a lot of of problems. Like they they have a long shot to get it in, to get it in. That yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I you just said that. I just said that. 
Um, so I wouldn't give up like, and if I'm Kansas City, the most I give up is a fifth round pick. I wouldn't give up anything higher. Obviously, you know, a fifth or sixth round pick would be about perfect to bring in a position player who um, they need. I mean, they I guess they don't need. They're five and zero. Oh, they don't need them, but they're weak at tight end, so they could definitely use a tight end. Um, and if they could, that'd be great. You bring him back, and you know, he has the best shot at winning a championship in his entire Chief career. Uh, as far as throwing in the towel, really, maybe the fans aren't ready for it. But if I can pick up a fifth round pick for a player who's going to retire at the end of the year, I'd at least I'd at least entertain the idea and give it a shot. And see, what's crazy to me is like <clears throat> I've heard a lot about this whole Kansas City, Atlanta, Tony Gonzalez thing, and I, I get it that it's where Gonzalez spent a large portion of his career and was very much loved. But why isn't this same conversation being had about the Pittsburghs of the league and the Giants of the league? Because Atlanta's at least won a fucking game. Those two teams haven't, haven't fucking won anything. Like why aren't people talking about the next move for Pittsburgh and the next move for the Giants to, to write the ship for those two organizations? Because I mean, when you think about historically, they have a bigger history of being, being winning franchises more so than Atlanta. And you think you would think that somebody's finger would be on the panic button in those two organizations. But yet we're talking about Tony Gonzalez going to the chiefs and Atlanta throwing in the towel in week six, but nobody's talking about what's going on. You know, what moves does the giants have to make or what does Pittsburgh have to do to try to write this season? It's that, that, so, it's that damn emotional tie. So Scotty, what what does Pittsburgh have to do? Uh, I mean, it, it, it's tough. So what I'd like to tell you uh, is I'd like to tell you they're sitting 0-4 in division right now with every team being 3-2, and two, and they've only played one divisional game at this point. So realistically, if they can right the ship, they can still win the division with a 9-7 and seven record. Statistically, that can happen. The problem in Pittsburgh is the exact same problem in New York is, is its offensive line play. So today I saw the Giants are running the ball much better this week uh, with Jacobs than what they had in the previous weeks. I mean, both of those teams, they have a a problem with their offensive line. Both quarterbacks are picking themselves up off the the turf every single game, every single snap. They're not getting time to, to throw the ball and make their reads before the pocket's collapsing on them. Both teams have a severe offensive line problem. Um, I don't know if that's something that can be fixed in a season because it's such a specialty position. I mean, Pittsburgh went out and uh, signed a new center when Pouncey went down, but they've still got Adams and DeCastro, the the kids that they picked up uh, last season. Like, they're they're just not doing anything, and and that's the problem I think is is it's offensive line play, you know? It's both teams. There's nothing that's going to fix that, like, in a short period of time at all. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. you got to win on the O-line and D-line, or you're not going to win in anything. And um, I I was – honestly, I I know we were giving you crap about your Steelers, but I was shocked they lost to Minnesota because I don't think Minnesota is much of a team. And Minnesota was up on them early. And Pittsburgh almost came back, so I'll I'll at least give them that. It, it, it surprised me at how bad they are, really, just because you know it, it, their you know their skill set should should dictate that they're a better a better squad than them, what they are. And, but you lose on the O and D line, you're, you're not going to win many games. Well, the so, problem the problem is is because of the offensive line. So Pittsburgh has great great wide receivers, Brown and Sanders, 
are, are, are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think they're I think they're great great wide receivers, great route runners, good speed, great hands. The problem is is Pittsburgh has continuously gotten to these positions, not just this year, but when you think about the last five or six games of last season also, when the offensive line started suffering from, from injuries and Ben started getting dropped on the turf, you have a quarterback that thinks he's fucking John Wayne, and when these situations happen, Roethlisberger just doesn't know how to tuck the ball and just take the sack and take the fucking five-yard loss. I know it creates all these great plays that end up on SportsCenter Top 10 when he's running around like a fucking madman and heaves it 60 yards downfield to somebody for a touchdown. But the other side of that is you see what happens at the end of that Minnesota game when it's third and goal from the seven-yard line. The pocket's collapsing on him, and he's running around trying to fucking break free and fumbles the football. Right. You know, if, if he just would have tucked and fell, granted, Instead of the six, he would have been at the 12, but he would have had fourth and goal from the 12 with the game on the line with about six seconds left, and he would have had another shot at it. Yeah. And and it's a cause and effect thing. That line breaks down, Roethlisberger tries to do too much, and then he makes errors, and that's how a lot of games have ended this year and a lot of games have ended last year too. I mean, I bet if you look at the average margin of loss for Pittsburgh this season in the back half of last year, they're all they're all single-score games. Yeah. And a lot of them have come off turnovers from Roethlisberger. I believe it. I so, believe it. so chaos. Yo, uh, how many weeks before Josh Freeman's the starting quarterback in Minnesota? Well, I mean, Ponder's not going to start again. Castle will, will at least start for at least I would say the next three or four weeks, and then Freeman might be in in four weeks. The, the problem with with Freeman, I think it's a great time. Like Minnesota Vikings are a are a, a, a coveted job for any quarterback who's looking to go somewhere else because you have uh you have solid receivers you don't have great receivers but um you know you, you have Jennings you have a, a decent tight end and you have uh the rookie uh uh shit I'm blanking on his name uh who actually could be something special and you know eight or nine people are going to be in the box paying attention to Adrian Peterson and they have an excellent O-line the problem with Freeman that I have is just he was so good his first two years, but then he really became a pile of shit. And uh, it's not just his attitude, but he really dropped off. He had Vincent Jackson and he had Mike Williams, two really good wide receivers that he just couldn't make something happen. So, uh, you know, I, I like the signing by Minnesota. At least they're taking a shot. If, if he can find his old form, he'll be, you know, starting in, in about four weeks. They only signed him to a one-year deal, and they're not out really anything. So, I would say I would say four to five weeks if he shows the Josh Freeman of old, he'll be starting. How much I, of the shitty play do you blame on Freeman versus the coaching? Because clearly there was a coaching conflict between Freeman and Tampa Bay. I blame Freeman 90% of it because he could have bought into the coach's philosophy. He could have just said, you know what, I'm going to go. I'm a quarterback. I'm supposed to do my job and go out and play my position. Instead, he doesn't show up for a team picture. He doesn't do some of the other stuff and is really disengaged, and it's kind of on him. All right. Scotty, any thoughts? No, I mean, I, I think this weekend can be a very interesting weekend, uh, not just from a Minnesota perspective, but also the Eagles. Uh, you know, I, I would ask the same oh, yeah. question of, you know, with Foles, does, does Vic start again this year? Uh, you know, if Foles goes in and, and looks good and the Eagles win this game, does he get to start the following week? And then if he puts together a couple weeks and a couple strong performances, 
you know, what does that do for Michael Vick? That's a great question because Foles looked great last week. He really did. He came in and, and he, he drove the Lions. They put up points on the board, and they didn't turn the ball over hardly at all. Yeah, so who's Philly play this week? Um, man, I have it right here. Uh, Tampa Philly. Bay, right? Tampa Bay. Okay. Yeah. So that's so like, they're they're going to play an zero and four team. Like that's there's a good chance that Philly that will win good, that game. There's a good chance that Foles is going to look good. Right. You know what's fucked up is Philly's only favorite a point. Yeah, I saw that point and a half is what I got him at. Yeah, I'm tempted to take that line. Because Tampa yeah. Bay is not that good. No. Well, now they've got a you know quarterback who's got to play play football. So. And, and the only thing that scares me about that the the quarterback part of it is what was his name Hoyer in in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, third string goes in and he was he's, he's yeah. won all of his games. Yeah, fuck and totally shreds it. I mean, so we're talking lines. So what side are you guys on? Are you on the minus twenty seven or the plus twenty seven? I think you have to be on the minus 27. Uh, All right. the, the last time the line was this big, I want to say, shit, I heard this too. It was Denver and Kansas City maybe. And uh, the the team that was favored 27, I think it was Denver, uh, they covered. So Peyton Manning has what he's thrown – 20-plus touchdowns in five games. He's averaging four touchdowns a game. Uh, he's only thrown two interceptions, I think, maybe even one. And uh, Jacksonville looks like a bunch of retards fucking footballs out there on the football field. So, you know, if, if Jacksonville can score a touchdown, I'd be shocked. This could very well be a 35-40-to-nothing blowout. Here's what scares me about it. So <clears throat> I'm taking Jack, the Jacksonville in the points. Really? Yep, and here's why, here's why I'm going to do it. So, in my mind, here's what I'm hoping happens, is that Denver gets a 31 to nothing lead. It's early in the fourth quarter. They pull Manning. They pull the starters at that point. It's fucking 31 to nothing, and Jacksonville gets a fucking touchdown. So, I mean, you're talking with a 27-point spread. If Jacksonville scores once, then – the Broncos have to score – they have to put up 35. If they get a touchdown and a field goal, then they have to put up 38, which I know they've done in previous weeks. But I think this is one of those games that's going to get way out of hand way earlier than these previous games did, and you're going to see Manning hit the sidelines a lot sooner. And then there's going to be the opportunity for Jacksonville to get that garbage time touchdown that's going to cover the spread, and that's what that's what worries me about going with Denver and the points in this, and makes me more comfortable taking Jacksonville. This sounds like a conversation you and I had not too long ago. I want to say it was a Seattle line or something like that. Um, and and I think it was a, they were a pretty big favorite, and the, they actually ended up covering. But I, I don't know. It, just, it sounds familiar. I don't know how much it is. Well, I will tell you this, that there has been no team in the NFL – score 50-plus points more than two games in a row. And uh, I'm going to bring in this caller here. I'm pretty sure it's a boy in Cali. But uh, just think about Peyton Manning and records. He might want to score 50 points in this game. Okay. Go ahead, and bring him in. Go, go ahead, caller. What's happening, brother? 
What up, fellas? Nick and Cal here. I uh, just wanted to chime in on some of the stuff you guys have talked about and not talked about. All um, right, well, what's going on, man? Good to hear from you. Likewise, man. It's been a while. Um, I think Denver can put up 35 points on Jacksonville in the first half. Um, but as Harapai is saying, uh, they're still full <laughs> Manning, which they surprisingly did two games ago. I was, I was shocked they did. Um, is Jacksonville's offense good enough to get one score on Denver's defense? Who knows? They'll, they'll not want to get shut out. They have the biggest spread in the history, so there might be some pride at stake. But if I had to bet, I'd take Denver and the uh, 28 points. Um, okay. One thing you guys have not talked about yet is the Jadavian Clowney incident. Hmm. This motherfucker needs to quit being a pussy and play. I mean, you're insured, so if you get hurt, you're going to get paid. What you're showing teams and GMs right now is all you care about is the dollar bill. So that might make his stock drop a little bit. Um, So just wanted to touch on that a little bit. Hey, Uh, Nick. And Scully's topic. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, with the with the clowning situation, do you think this is an issue where he's protecting his NFL draft stock and that's why he's choosing to not play in these games? Oh, absolutely. He doesn't – I understand when uh, guys in the NFL are in their contract years, they'll sit out, they want to be 100%. Um, they don't want to get hurt. But those are guys who are already in the NFL. This is a guy who's – who wants to get drafted in the top ten. Um, he's definitely protecting himself, so he remains a top ten pick. But I think if he doesn't play, that's going to concern a few teams. Um, so absolutely, yeah, I think he's trying to protect his draft stock. But at the same time, he's hurting it. Instead of being the number two pick, he might fall to the number five or seven, which years ago was a shit ton of money. Now it's not as much, but still a good chunk of money. Um, so that's my take on that. Uh, the whole thing, uh, Scully... <laughs> no, do you have something else? Go ahead. Right, go ahead, man. Oh, the Vince Scully thing, I mean, we've been blessed here in L.A. to have two of the greatest announcers ever and Vince Scully, Chick Hearn. Fuck, I think Vince Scully should die while he's broadcasting. Um, <laughs> Nothing like a morbid thought like that, brother. Yeah. I mean, he'd be going out doing what he loves, so right. I have no problem with that. And I think Boston, L.A. would be the probably the best World Series uh, for the networks, the fans, the nation. How about this? Oak, I think uh, we're coming up on the 25th anniversary of the Kirk Gibson home run. How about a Dodgers A's rematch World Series? How about that? Oh, that's I'd, I'd like to see that. That'd be awesome. Um, shit, I well, wanted to talk I'll about one you. other thing. I'll tell you, brother, just about that. Your A's here, real quick. Verlander's retired all 15 batters so far in this game. Detroit's up two nothing, top of the six. Oh, well, maybe like, it's finally uh, looking like an A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been playing like shit this year. And it's not been the Verlander esque. No, not so, at all. 
Yeah, you're right, though. Vince Scully staying until he dies. I'd be all right with that, too. But either way, I mean, whatever he decides to do, obviously, is good. I like the take on, on, on Clowney. We didn't even talk about that, and honestly, it's not that it wasn't on my radar. It's just that uh, I didn't know what else we were going to hit on, but that's good stuff. Uh, um, so that's all I got for tonight, guys. Uh, I've been MIA listening myself, but keep up the good work, and much love, fellas. Well, thanks for calling, man. I appreciate it, and, uh, and much love, and we'll, we'll hit you when you get off the air, buddy. Cool. Later, guys. Thanks, bro. Later, bro. Thanks, man. Hey, guys. So we're talking about NFL lines, and I know the Denver-Jacksonville one's the one that stands out the most because of the the spread. Have you guys looked at the lines for some of the games this week? Not in depth. I have them up, and I just just started to. But uh, what are you looking at, bud? So there's a couple. So we talked about the Eagles and the Bucks, and Philly's favored by only a point and a half. I think Hollywood said something about that. Um, you know, just from a like right now, I'm, I'm, as we're doing the show, I'm trying to get some bets in for Sunday, and I'm looking at it. So, like right now, I see that line. I'm jumping on Philly, and I'm going to tell you guys what I see and what I'm doing, and you guys tell me whether or not I'm fucking retarded. Uh, because there's some that that just stand out to me as easy money. So Philly, Tampa Bay is one of them. You got Green Bay at Baltimore. Green Bay is only minus three. I, I don't say you're retarded, but I just say be careful because I took yeah. Baltimore last week over Miami, and I took him to win outright, and Gov took Miami huge, and I didn't see the text, but he was giving me shit for taking Baltimore, and Baltimore actually ended up winning outright. Baltimore, I think if you look at the stats, they have outgained their opponent in every game so far this season. So just be careful with that. So the, so the Green Bay minus three, that I was looking at that. Uh, the other one I was looking at was the – where is it at? New Orleans at New England. New Orleans is getting one point. Yeah, I would be on the Saints. As would I. And then Indianapolis at San Diego. The Colts are only minus two against San Diego. Yeah, uh, careful. That could be a trap game. Not just that. No, I'm with you, though, Scotty. I think I would be on the Colts, too. I mean, they just beat uh, San Francisco. They just beat Seattle. I mean, the only thing that, you know, I think Rivers is the best quarterback out of the three that they're seeing. But, that yeah, the Colts, I would be on the Colts on that one. Yeah, so just as I was sitting here, I saw these three and I was going to put some money on them. I was like, ah, fuck, let me ask these guys. I got them here because those were the four games that stood out to me as some, some money makers. So, so can I give you a stat real quick just on the New Orleans-New England game? Absolutely. Tom Brady, after throwing for less than 175 yards, is what, you, what I think it's about. I think he threw like 160 last week in Cleveland. Uh, he is against the spread. He is 26-5. and five. Just a stat for you. I have, that, that, that doesn't scare me, though. No, I'm, nor, I'm not saying it should. I'm just saying that's – a stat you're not necessarily going to find everywhere. That's all. Twenty-six and five ATS. So he's going to come out swinging with Gronk. But I like the Saints a lot this year. So uh, I, I would say if they're playing almost anybody besides the Saints uh, and maybe Seattle, I would say go for it. Yeah, or you know, I, I, I would say absolutely take New England. But in this case, uh, I'm probably there with you on the Saints. So I'll tell you the line that I got a decent research on that I really, really like early is St. Louis plus eight at Houston. Really? Yep. 
Are you, are you worried? If, are you thinking the fans going to show up to Schaub's house again and, and at this time try and shoot him? No, but I wouldn't be surprised if he throws five interceptions and two of them for pick sixes. I think Houston is imploding. Their defense is, is starting to fall apart. Uh, Matt Schaub, for whatever reason, is being protected by Kubiak. Like, they are just in shambles. Andre Johnson is not the good Johnson, as we all assumed it would turn out to be. I just, I, I really think they're awful. And, uh, you know, I mean, you got two teams with the same fucking record. And I like, I like St. Louis not to win, but to absolutely cover the eight points. Hmm. I'm thinking that I would book that, whatever you want to bet, I'm pretty sure I would book. You want to put a sandwich on it, bro? Sure. I'll put a sandwich on it. I'll, I'll take, I'll take, uh, Houston minus eight. All right. I'll take it. Uh, any other lines you see, Scotty? Uh, just Seattle-Tennessee with Fitzpatrick as the starting quarterback uh, for Tennessee. The line's Seattle minus 14 at home. Playing a Tennessee oh. team that was off to a great start, but now Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback. He is a fucking turnover machine. Uh, Tennessee's defense is pretty good, but I might – think that Seattle's defense will score more points than Tennessee's offense. Yep, and that's what makes it appealing to me. Yeah. I might think, Wood, do you have any thoughts on that one? Uh, no, I saw that too, and, and I'm kind of in line with you guys. Like, Seattle, their defense could score that many points, I think. Tennessee, eh, they're just... I think they've won... A bit, what are they? What's their fucking record? Have they got two wins or just the one? Uh, two wins. I think they're two, two wins. Three. Yeah, and I, and I think they only should have won one of those two. Like, I think one of them they backdoored and just found a way to shit one out. So I, I think Tennessee's just going to get routed. Pretty sure you said backdoored and shit <clears throat> one out. I don't know if I've ever heard you <laughs> use that combination <laughs> so, before. What do you guys think about Cincinnati minus eight at Buffalo? Uh, I like Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I would go with the favorite there. I, You know, uh, Fred Jackson's been the better running back in Buffalo. E.J. Manuel's pretty banged up, I think, and I'm not even sure who Buffalo's starting at quarterback. I don't think it's uh, Manuel. I think he's no. still injured. So. Yeah, and they were trying to sign my. I think they were trying to sign Matt Leinert, and I don't know who they ended up signing to be as the, the backup quarterback. Yeah, they, they have some problems there. Wait, where, where did it? they where find Matt Liner at? Was he like at a fucking restaurant yeah. somewhere? He, yeah, yeah. I think they called. <laughs> I think they called Alyssa Milano's house and they got Matt Liner. Oh my god! Yeah, and just for the record, I'm taking Pittsburgh plus two and a half at the Jets this weekend. Wow! Oh, all right. Just I am. Hey, Dick Dick LeBeau is a defensive coordinator. Has not lost a game against a rookie quarterback yet. I might fucking if you ever went to Vegas, I would do an Earl of Sandwich bet on that. I'm just saying. Uh, by the way, the Rams. Just so you know. Tenth worst against the pass in the in the NFL, so it might be where Schaub gets gets feeling good. We'll see. I haven't put any money on it yet, but we'll see. I got a sandwich on it. That's all that matters. And by ten, I mean twelve. I miscounted. <laughs> all right. Good lines, though. All right. Anything else we need to talk about as far as football goes, boys? No, I'm good, brother. Okay, cool. Um, well, you got weird news, Hollywood. I don't know if you had time to get it or not. Bro, bro, bro. Oh, shit, let's do some I'm a guy, and football players 
pretend they live in a box. I'm just saying it right now. Hey, man, he looks fucking good. Oh, goody! One's using, maybe one was using, and now he's not. Perturbed and frustrated. You can accept it. Can I argue and complain about whoever the fuck dresses Craig Seeger? Jojo, the idiot circus boy. All right, so it's very fitting that the BMAF came from Utah. Uh, and it had to do with a vehicle because tonight's weird news comes from their neighbors in Montana and has also do with a vehicle, but in a slightly different sense. And I read, Billings woman charged with DUI number four. (laughs) A Billings woman accused of calling police and saying that she was, quote, just too damn drunk, end quote, to get out of her vehicle, was charged Wednesday with her fourth drunken driving offense. Carol Francis O'Meara, 55, appeared in Yellowstone County Justice Court by video from the county jail on a felony DUI charge. Judge Herman set bond at $3,000 after prosecutors said O'Meara has three prior DUI convictions in California. O'Meary was arrested Tuesday at about 10.40 p.m. after a police dispatcher received a call from a woman who said she could not get out of her vehicle, which was parked outside her residence on South 29th Street. When asked if she was having a medical or mechanical issue, the caller said, No, I'm just too damn drunk, court records state. An officer said he found O'Meary inside the vehicle, which was parked about two feet from the curb. The woman reportedly told the officer she had been at a Billings bar for about five hours, had driven home, but had been sitting in her car in front of her home for about four hours. Prosecutors said O'Meara told the officer she had consumed a pint of vodka. The keys to the vehicle were in her pocket. O'Meara agreed to provide a breath sample, and the result of the preliminary test showed she had a blood alcohol level of 0.311%. (laughs) Yeah. Nearly four times the state legal limit of point zero eight. Wow. That's that's impressive. That's really, really impressive. That's all I can really say to that. What a like how stu I mean, stupid, drunk, retarded you have to be to not call a friend or a neighbor for help getting out of your car, but call on a cop to help you out of the car while you're at a point three one one. Holy shit, dude! So like, I don't know a lot about Montana, uh, so so I googled hillbillies in Montana because hillbillies is the first thing that I thought of when Hollywood <laughs> went into the and I quote. I thought, well, this this chick's got to be a fucking hillbilly. So I googled hillbillies in Montana, and Clicked on images because I wanted to get a feel for for the people here and and be able to contribute to what we're talking about. And the first picture, one of the first pictures that comes up is Hillbilly Jim from the WWE. (laughs) Uh, There's another picture of a hairy-chested, shirtless, skinny man with the biggest mullet ever and a piece of straw hanging out of his mouth. And there's another picture of Al Pacino as Scarface, and instead of holding a machine gun, he's holding a banjo. So... (laughs) I think when you think about this story and what Google Images tells us, I'm not surprised. Uh, what is amazing to me is I've been intoxicated enough where on the way driving, I've had the 
presence of mind to pull over and take a nap on the side of the road before continuing on my journey because of the alcohol that I've consumed. But I've never once pulled into my driveway. Hollywood, did you say she was home when she did this? She was parked outside her residence. Like, what goes through your mind when you're sitting in front of your house and you're 10 yards from your front door? Or at that point, fuck it, just sleep in the car, or just open the car door and roll out and sleep on the on the earth. Like, why would you call the police then? Like, <laughs> it's uh, that's unbelievable to me. You you know there's a problem when you're too drunk to find the door handle in your vehicle. In your own vehicle, I'd understand, right? Let's say that I'm in a foreign car that I've never sat in before. And I'm so deliriously drunk that I can't see straight, and I'm pulling, like, on the armrest thinking it's the door handle and I can't get out. This is this broad's own vehicle that she drives all the time and clearly drives it drunk enough to only have been caught four times inebriated. She gets in the car just fine and drives to Scotty's Point all the way home, parks the car, turns the car off, places the keys in her pocket, and just then decides she can't find a way out of the car, I better call the police. Yeah, one of the worst decisions I think I've made outside of that one girl that one time was uh, I was driving back from Santa Monica and I was with Big Al, who's called the show a couple of times, and we you know spent a night at Hooters, and we were trashed. And I was driving this girl's car, and I couldn't see straight. He could see straight. I worked the pedals while he <laughs> he steered the car. Nice. They were driving the freeways uh, uh, in L.A. to get home. But we still had, you know, uh, the wherewithal, I guess, to find our way out of the car. What a, like, I... She must call the cops a lot. Like she must, like her boyfriend or husband must beat her, and she must—they're probably on speed dial. She just didn't know what else to do, and just got used to calling them and decided to call them in this situation. That's that's like all I can think of. That's like crazy retarded. All right, good shit, good news, good everything. Uh, final thoughts, Wood. Let's start with you, buddy. So as we talked about uh, at the beginning of the show, my wife and I spent our honeymoon on the island of Bora Bora. And, um, you know, when you think about spending a week on vacation or or spending a week anywhere you've never been before, uh, I would assume and hope that the last thing you would want to do was stare at your cell phone. And there were numerous times when my wife and I were in the public common area, if you will, uh, at the barside pool um, or at the lounge or on the beach where we saw just person after person after person on their cell phone reading or, or texting or calling. We saw this one bitch who straight up for like half an hour took selfies of herself and play, like adjusted her hair in her bikini in her, in her chair, and that was literally all she did. You're in fucking paradise and you'd rather play on an electronic device. And, uh, you know, we nominate every single person that we saw to, to each, each episode be a new DMAF. 
Uh, my wife called that out uh, day one. She said, I think each of these people should be eat the DNA test every week. Um, so if you're on vacation, if you're on a, a honeymoon vacation at that, because 99% of the people there were on honeymoon, uh, don't fucking be on your cell phone. Like, have some common fucking sense. Look up. Look around. You're surrounded by beauty. You know, shit comes straight off of a screensaver. Like, soak it in and take advantage it's a once-in-a-lifetime place for a lot of people, so don't don't fucking waste it. Oh, yeah. Scotty, you got anything, buddy? Yeah, man. So I'm still sitting here looking at these pictures of uh, hillbillies in Montana on Google <laughs> Images, and one of the pictures that came up was was Billy Ray Cyrus, uh, <laughs> like like achy breaky Billy Ray with the mullet. So then I start thinking, right? There's a I Google hillbillies in Montana. I get a picture of Billy Ray Cyrus. His daughter, Miley Cyrus, became popular as being who? Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. <laughs> right? <laughs> and Miley Cyrus's real legal name is Destiny Hope. Oh, I, Destiny Hope. And I think that as this 55-year-old Montana woman was driving home, in her mind she believed it was her destiny just to make it home, just to get her car in her driveway, and that she only hoped that she could figure out how to open the fucking car door in her own car to get safely into her house. It's a hell of a tie-in, my man. That's a hell of a tie-in. <laughs> I didn't know that was her real name, Destiny Hope, who actually there are uh, uh, sex pics, not sex, but like some good slutty pics of her out there from what I understand. I'm sure Adam is all over them by now. Dude, and if you name your daughter Destiny Hope and the outbreak that's happened with Miley Cyrus, that has happened recently happens when you name your daughter the same name of many, many strippers I've seen right. dance to Motley Crue songs and Warrant yeah. songs inside strip clubs. You can't be fucking shocked at what's going on. I'm, I'm right there with you. That's fucking awesome. Um, so Gov usually is the best at calling us out besides Hollywood, but um, this truly is. I mean, we, we recognize it every month as far as Boob Awareness Month. There because we care. You know, definitely go lick, grab, fuck a pair. But it also is the real Boob Awareness Month. So, you know, I would venture to guess that every one of us on the show have lost somebody due to it. So, you know, do what you can to support it. But definitely don't stop staring at them because we do care about it. Um uh, I got, I guess, a couple of final thoughts. One, it's awesome to have a couple of the guys on again. I've missed it. It's been a fucking great show. It's been a great time. And two, there is a story out of, I think it was Texas, about a guy who was missing for 20 years. And the um, courts uh, somehow pronounced him, well, not somehow, but they pronounced him dead. You know, kids got the life insurance and things like that. Um, and then he kind of came back, and the government still recognized him as being dead. Um, that's some shit that I don't quite understand. Might want to look into that story a little bit. If I'm looking at somebody, here's the thing. They're not dead. And on that last thought, I guess, about it, is if the government is on some sort of lockdown right now, um, shouldn't we not have to pay taxes? Just saying. If nobody's working, then why should we have to pay it? That's all I got. Um, anything else I'm missing, boys? I don't think so, brother. All right. Well, on that, motherfuckers, we are out. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to us in a language that everybody here 
This is going to be one fucked up podcast. And we've got players now coming up limp. AP in football. This is a guy who's broken down. You don't know the power of the dark side. I believe in karma, man. Seriously? You fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on grandpa's old cough medicine? Oh, Rondo just got ejected. Seriously? I'm talking about the the, the pre-intercourse. There's still maybe some titties. What we've got here is failure to communicate. That was a freak day.